is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Frankie Graziano. Several of the people that worked with Quentin Williams, some of you know him as Q or Quentin Phipps, hung out with him at the uh, governor's inaugural ball a week ago tonight. They were also with him earlier in the day at the inauguration and, uh, and a swearing into a new term. They said he was talking to them about the following day that Quentin was excited to get to work in his first labor committee meeting as chairman of the committee. Matt Lesser is another politician representing Middletown. He told me that Quentin wanted to get to work for Connecticut workers. What happened to Quentin Williams later that night is uh, just another awful example of how fragile life really is. A 39-year-old man that had so much ahead of him, uh, really a life that's tragically cut short. Williams was killed early last Thursday morning when a car he was traveling in on Route 9 in Cromwell, according to state police, was hit by a wrong-way driver. You're about to hear from people who worked with him in service of the state of Connecticut, people who knew him well, State Representative Chris Rosario of Bridgeport and State Representative Bobby Gibson, who represents Bloomfield and Windsor. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, morning. Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I was talking to, to, to both of you before this, and Bobby Gibson says that this is just not real. How are you feeling right now, Bobby, and, and, and trying to get back to work uh, with all of this happening? Get, get back to work at the Capitol complex, I'm saying. It's really uneasy. Um, it's tough when you have a, a friend that uh, is taken away in such a tragic, sudden way. And uh, it, it really hurts. and it's, it's troublesome. But, you know, we're elected to do a job and represent our constituents and represent the state. And we have to keep that in mind because um, business keeps happening, the world keeps spinning, and uh, you know we have to keep working. So it's 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 tough when you're in a leadership position um, to um, express human emotion, but you still have to get business done. Representario, you 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 just been with him the day before. I I think both of you had a black and Puerto Rican caucus meeting with him after uh, the swearing in ceremony. What was the next morning like for you, Rosario? Would you just have this sudden kind of news come in? You know, uh, getting those early morning phone calls, um, you don't know what to expect. Uh, it brought back shades of um, uh, our former colleague, Representative Santiago, Ezekiel Santiago. We lost him suddenly a few years ago. And um, to know Q, to be with him literally just less than 24 hours earlier, that big smile, that enthusiasm, that energy that he had. He was looking forward to chairing the uh, labor committee and to find out that he was just so suddenly gone. It really was heartbreaking. Representative Gibson, what? how, how did you find out? Uh, I was getting ready to uh, go to work the next morning. I'm an assistant principal at Carmen Aries Middle School in Bloomfield. And I got a call from um, our, our chairman, Geraldo Reyes, um, who uh, let me know what was going on. It was pretty, pretty tragic. It was, it was a tough phone call. Can you guys spend a couple of minutes here? I don't want to get in the way. I want you guys to just talk about the Quentin and 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 his lawmaking abilities and really the the kind of qualities he possessed to make him a strong advocate for the people he served. Can you guys just do that? Maybe we start with Representative Gibson first. Um, Representative Williams was very passionate. Um, extremely passionate. Um, he was truly a, a lawmaker for the people. Um, he um, 
oftentimes we make comments about, you know, what are we doing here, people? You know, we, we, this is a job to do. Um, we, we represent our constituents. Uh, he's always been one that can reach out to uh, a number or a wide variety of people. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, uh, black or white. Uh, he was one that made sure that um, equity, be, equitable um, legislation was passed, justice was done, and we did the right thing. Representative Rosario, can you step in here? Sure. Uh, Representative Williams was a needle mover. He made sure that he moved the needle in any capacity he was involved in. It didn't matter if it was in local town government or even with us at the state capitol. There are countless times where we were in a caucus, whether a general House Democratic caucus or a black and Puerto Rican caucus. And there were some really tough issues going forward. And Representative Williams wasn't uh, wasn't afraid to stand up and speak out. And pushed us, pushed us many times uh, to move that needle, to make change. That's what he was all about. Williams represented the city he grew up in, Middletown. Back all the way to the beginning, as I understand it, uh, Williams was raised by his mother in public housing. State Representative Gibson, I wanted to ask you, what's Quinton told you about his relationship with Queen Williams and what she's meant to him? She was the world to him. Um, I've met his mother a few times. And uh, it's funny, a funny story. It was at a, a church dinner, um, actually in Middletown. And this is before I know, um, the, again, the relationship between uh, his mom and, and that, is, that was his mom. And uh, this lady was a beautiful woman, um, vibrant, outgoing, um, well-spoken. And she had a sense of humor and a personality that um, just could light up a room. And when I found out that it was his mother, I was like, oh, my gosh, it, it, just, it makes sense. It's like, you know, he was um, the, the spinning Im- image of his mother in, in, in the way that he could affectionately um, uh, att- attract you to him and how he dealt with people and how he could uh, just, you know, you, you couldn't hate him. You couldn't hate him at all. It's just and just he got that right from his mother. And I would have known him as, uh, as before this with, uh, in the last year. It was Quentin Phipps. And he just recently changed his name in February 22, about a year ago, in honor of his mother. Did he talk to you about that, Represario? Oh, you know, uh, Q Q was very open about everything. You know, we we talked a lot about um, our lives outside of the Capitol, um, our families, our interests. And one of the things that he talked about, especially when when he made that change, and I'm still going through all my old texts with Q, and I remember texting him saying, Hey, my brother, I support you 100%. And he sent, he sent me back the, the, the black fist. You know, uh, I appreciate you. And um, one of the things that Q really, really adored, uh, besides his wife and his family, was his mother. She was the, the light of his life. And um, uh, we're, we're, we're really uh, sending our deepest thoughts and condolences to Queen. Lawmakers are asking you out there if you knew Quentin Williams, and and it's hard to understand how how you might not hear because of how much of a rising star he's been characterized as. Uh, NPR had that in their coverage of him. The New York Times has covered uh, Quentin's death. A lot of people knew Quentin Williams. So we're asking you, uh, as lawmakers are, if you have a story, please uh, submit it, as I understand it, to RememberingQ.com. That's a website lawmakers have set up. And please Feel free to call us this morning if you have a story and you want to share your thoughts about Quentin Williams. You can call us at 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. 
This is not just a colleague in the ledge for you, Rep. Rosario. This is a friend you've known for 10 years. Give us some insight on Quentin Williams, the man, and the friendship you guys shared. Well, one of the things about Q is that although we we served in many capacities together, uh, whether it was fighting for education reform or even as colleagues in the in the legislature, a lot of our conversations really rallied around family and just pop culture. You know, he loved uh, Marvel movies. He loved Black Panther. Uh, you guys loved wrestling. We loved, 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 loved professional wrestling. And uh, uh, myself, representative, former representative Arcanti and representative Felipe, we had our own little wrestling caucus. And uh, he would always talk about what would be your, what would be your entrance music if you got into the chamber. And um, one, one of the things that I do want to, uh, to acknowledge is that uh, he was a really big fan of Bobby Lashley, who was the first African-American WWE champion. Uh, in about 20 years, and he won the title about a year and a half ago, and he was a part of a faction called the Hurt Business, and they they have split them up. And for a good year, Q was like, man, I hope they bring back the Hurt Business. <laughs> and this past Monday night, I literally, I, I posted it on my Instagram. I had tears in my eyes. I'm not sure if anybody over there is listening to myself or to Q, but they're bringing them back together. And I really was like talking to Franklin, our chief of staff, and I was like, dude, I'm in tears right now because I wish Q was here to see that. And all, for, all he talked about was like, I wish Bobby Lashley would bring back the Hurt Business. And now they're thinking of, uh, you know, putting them, putting them up against Roman Reigns for the title. So for Q, I hope that's the case. Chris Rosario says uh, in a pre, pre-interview that uh, they, were, they were kind of the only ones that talk about wrestling or something like that today. He made that comment. That's a lot of comments that wrestling fans make is it's kind of like a guilty pleasure nowadays he actually happens to be appearing on a show where the host is also a, a lifelong uh, wwe fan so I, I know exactly what you're talking about in the almighty bobby lashley so uh if i if i continue to wa- watch here in the future there's a lot going on with wwe right now but uh, oh, oh yes we'll be thinking <laughs> about the uh when we see the almighty we'll be thinking about uh representative gibson and just for you uh excuse me representative uh, quentin williams and just and just guys, I I want to I want to I want to talk about a big turning point as I understand it for Quentin Williams. It seemed to be when Matt Lesser was making his jump from the state house to the state senate. Uh, Representative Gibson, can you take us back to that moment in time and why Quentin was ready to become a lawmaker at that point? It's kind of funny because uh, when Senator Lesser decided to run, I actually drove down to Middletown to his campaign headquarters. And uh, I was making phone calls for him. And then out of uh, out of one of the offices came this guy in like a, a Gucci short um, <laughs> jacket outfit, <laughs> t- tight, right? So tight fitted. He had on flip flops. And I remember it being kind of cool out. I don't think it was, it was all that warm. But um, and he comes out with a big personality and smile. And I'm like, who is this guy? It was Representative Williams, <laughs> and that was when I first met him. And, uh, you know, he had a big personality, big smile. We talked for a while. Um, he told me a little bit about his background, um, some of the things that he's done in the past as far as um, social justice and equality and uh, some of the things he wanted to bring to the Capitol. And I'm like, this guy is something else. You know, he says he's a ball of energy. And, you know, I know he wanted to do great things up at the Capitol, and um, I, I knew that uh, – he would, and he did. He did. It just, unfortunately, his work was cut short. But um, Q had all of the uh, the, the passion 
um, to make change for our state. Bright smile. That's the big one I keep hearing in the bright personality. I, I'm sure that that resonates with the two of you. Oh, I mean, I tell you, you could be having the worst day in the world and and you run into Q for two minutes and you just want to bottle that up. And, uh, you know, I can imagine, you know, he just left a trail of smiles everywhere he went. Doesn't matter who you were, what kind of walk of life uh, you, you you're come from. Q, uh, Q literally just lit up your heart, lit up your soul. And I could just hear that infectious laugh. Oh, my goodness. He reminds me so much of a, a, another late friend of mine, Larry Osborne from Bridgeport, those that know him. I mean, Q was just such an infectious person. You just wanted to be around him. State Senator Matt Lesser says he got a call at 6 a.m. on the day that uh, Quentin passed. Uh, Lesser had Williams in his wedding, as Lesser told me. He shared memories of Williams the day he heard the news. His uh, infectious laugh, his optimism, his love for Middletown, for the state of Connecticut was something that permeated our entire community. He was, you know, a larger than life figure. And, uh, you know, we're just numb. We're in shock. Told me, in addition to Williams being eager to get to work for Connecticut workers, he was always passionate in fighting for economic and racial justice. Bobby Gibson, Lesser also told me that Quentin was the first black person elected to represent Middletown in the state house. How do you measure, like, how, how do you assess what this loss means to the black community? What about uh, other people of color? It's immeasurable. Um, if you know Middletown, it's a, it's a very diverse city, um, different ethnic backgrounds. Um, and you would think that uh, it would be easy for um, a person of color, a, a black man, to be a state representative of Middletown. But by it being so diverse, I think, in my opinion, that makes it even harder um, because you have so many different peoples in the town and, you know, pulling for um, representation of, of your own. Right. Um, it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's very, um, very competitive. And so for him to raise up and to become the first black state representative is huge. And the, the imagery of him representing and, and the, the, the young first must start with the, the young black kids seeing a the first black state representative it's, it's huge it's, it's huge they're, they're never seen it and, and you know for that reason it's huge but also um quentin was a black man but he stretched boundaries he, he stretched cultural boundaries and so yeah a black man who had many white friends many puerto rican friends Many uh, at the visual on Friday, they talked about him being a, a, a Jamaican Polish guy. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, he served a very important purpose. And, and unfortunately, his life was cut short and his work was cut short. Um, but it, it, it's huge. I mean, a couple of years back, we passed the Black and Puerto Rican History Bill. Um, and that was about seeing people, uh, knowing, knowing the Black and Puerto Rican history, and, our, and one big part of it was our kids will wake up in the mornings and they see certain images, for example, on television. You turn television on or you go to the movies or you talk about politics nationally or even statewide. They're, the images they see are mostly of, of, of white people. And for Quentin to be a black man and for our kids to see that image was immeasurable.
Rosario, when you met Quentin, I think like 10 years ago or something, it was a capacity related to, to education. So, so Quentin Williams is a lawmaker for about four years, and then uh, unfortunately we lose Quentin. But before that, uh, he had worked uh, in, in advocacy for education, as I understand it? Correct, yes. He, he did a lot of work with uh, education reform, and I was working uh, for Mayor Bill Finch at the time in Bridgeport, and Mayor Finch was a big supporter of uh, the charter school movement and uh, school choice. And, and, and Q was literally uh, the, the part of the tip of the spear on that issue to make sure that children, black and brown, uh, throughout the state of Connecticut, not just Middletown, uh, and, and children here in Bridgeport had the best opportunity for the uh, edu- the best education that they can get. And uh, that's the testament of Q. He, his work was just not solely related to Middletown. Q's impact was felt all over the nation. And I remember having conversations with him uh, when I when I got elected in 2014. And I remember being up there around 2015. And Q was Q was into his fitness and he he's into you know lifting weights. And I I kind of gave him that shoulder bump and I'd be like, what are you doing on that side of the, the velvet rope? You need to be over here. And uh and I, I wanna give a big shout out to Senator Matt Lesser, uh, who literally was uh, one of Q's biggest supporters. We can't do this alone. And and he really helped open lots of doors for Q. Um, and I tell you what, I really want to thank Matt for being such a mentor and supporter to Q because uh, it is one of the most brightest privileges I've ever had was to serve with Q. Mentorship. Uh, as I understand it, he encouraged people of color and, and women to, to aspire to get to higher office. And, and you talk about his, 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 his care for education. Rosario, is that something you saw him as, as a, as a, as sort of a mentor to, to younger people and, and, and people that he, he was hoping to help rise into, into maybe uh, roles of, of public office, things like that. Q, Q was definitely the definition of sending the elevator, the elevator back down. Uh, if Q achieved a certain height, uh, he wouldn't just stay there. He would help bring other people up, uh, no matter uh, what socioeconomic class they're from. Uh, he definitely always was giving a hand up uh, through education, through housing, uh, through all the things that that he was involved with. And uh, that that's definitely, if you can say that there's a hallmark about Q, it was definitely, he was always there to to give you a lift up and a hand up. Bobby Gibson, you were at the vigil that they had in Middletown, where I understand there was probably up to a thousand people on the South Green on a cold January night honoring Quentin Williams. Yes, I, I was there, um, and I, I, I planned to get there early, and I did, but it still wasn't early enough. When I got there, um, it was it was packed. The green was just filled. Um, it was surreal. Um, I want to re- I want to uh, say great job to organizers. Great job to Senator um, Lesser and Q's family. Great job to the Middletown Police and Fire Departments. They were there in numbers, keeping everyone safe, making everyone feel comfortable. Um, it was outstanding. Um, the, the speakers spoke eloquently. Um, there was a variety of people. Uh, who, who were there to speak. And again, there were, there were kids there. There were senior citizens there in that cold, cold weather. It was incredible um, how Q impacted uh, others. 
and how people looked up to him and how beloved he was in, in Middletown. And throughout the state, I, I have to say that uh, <laughs> there are people even from my neck of the woods there um, who aren't le- lawmakers, just regular people um, there to uh, pay their respects. Lawmakers from all over the state, including, as I understand it, uh, lawmakers from Darien and New Canaan, as far south as uh, as that, were, were there. And um, people coming to show love for Q and uh, for his wife, Carissa, and his mother, Queen. If you're interested and you have a story to, to submit to this website that they've set up on behalf of Quentin Williams, you can go to rememberingq.com to submit your story. If you want to talk to us about Quentin Williams today, you can call us. 1-888-720-WNPR. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to have a quick segment where we're going to have the lawmakers stick with us just to talk a little bit more about Quentin Williams. You're listening to Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Frankie Graziano. As you heard in that last segment, this was going to be a big year for Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams, a lawmaker that passed away last Thursday, uh, the victim of a wrong way driving collision. Uh, This was going to be a year where in the legislative session that ends in June, Quentin Williams was going to chair the Labor and Public uh, Employees Committee for the first time. Really, uh, it would have been his first meeting the day that he died. I wanted to go to our lawmakers that we have that have joined us for a few more minutes here, Representative Chris Rosario and Representative Bobby Gibson. And Rep. Rosario, I want to just go to you really quickly. What kind of legislation do you understand that, that Q might have pushed this year and maybe something that you'll try to push now in his honor? What 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 do you have for us here on the upcoming session? Well, you know, as support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash elevating health. I think I mentioned earlier he was going to be the the new chair of labor. And, um, but previously that to that, he, um, he was working a lot of housing issues, and I know uh, that was very near and dear to him. Uh, definitely, all, any issues that re- relate to education, housing, uh, and and those those workers, those hardworking workers. I know he always talked about you know his mom, and uh, you know he grew up in in uh, in what many people would think would be you know low income or poverty. Um, but one thing about um, us families, especially those from the inner city. Uh, we, we, we may be poor, but we never knew it. 
uh, our mothers, you know, they made miracles happen. And he looked out and cared about those everyday workers. Uh, and I know that was something that he was going to be fighting for. And um, definitely want to be uh, front and center on anything uh, that would lift up yeah. Q's memory. Yeah. Can you give us a piece of housing legislation you guys might propose that might uh, lift up Q's memory? Is there anything that, that he might have been keen on? Anything in particular? Well, you know, uh, uh, rent, you know, cap, stabilizing rent, some sort of rent cap. You know, um, I know he talked about that. He and I actually talked a lot about homelessness. Um, I remember we had an issue in Bridgeport maybe about a month ago or two. Uh, uh, we had a tent city and, and and this was before he was named labor chair. And, and I know he was inquiring about what, what was happening and what we were doing. And and, and I know I, I wasn't alone. I know he had reached out to other folks around the state when he heard similar issues. So um, uh, that's definitely, I definitely want to work on. Quentin Williams' death kind of highlights an emerging issue here in Connecticut, the spiking fatalities in wrong way driving collisions. And one thing I brought up last week on Connecticut Public that was really kind of sad to me was that this is something that Bobby Gibson's been working on uh, for a couple years because he lost a friend in a similar way, a, a fraternity brother, a friend, a former teammate in Melvin Wells. Can you tell us a little bit about Melvin, uh, Bobby? Could you, could you, would you share that right now with us and your relationship with Melvin? I, it's hard to know where to start. Melvin was uh a real man. And when I say that, he was a pillar of community that stood up for what was right. Um, he was beloved by all. Uh, the day Melvin had his funeral, um, it was a, a church in New Haven that was packed and people were waiting down blocks and blocks to pay their respects to him. Um, I first met Melvin when I was in college, a freshman at Southern Connecticut State University, and Melvin was a senior. He was a senior defensive tackle, number 78. And uh, he reminded me a little bit of Mean Joan Green. <laughs> um, a, a, a tough dude with a big heart. And uh, as I was stating earlier, I met him when I was in, in my dorm getting ready for preseason camp. And he and Travis Tucker, all-American tight end. Melvin's about six foot three. Travis Tucker's about six foot five, walked by. And said, hey, rookie, uh, how's your fastball? <laughs> you know, my name's Bob Gibson, like the Hall of Famer Bob Gibson from the Cardinals. And uh, he was my my football captain in college, looked up to him. Um, he was a protector, like a big brother. Uh, we pledged the same fraternity, Omega Psi Five Attorney Incorporated. Uh, I owe a lot to him as far as my work ethic in football and myself becoming a preseason All-American linebacker. Uh, after we start stopped playing, football, I, I actually became a head football coach at Bloomfield High School. and um, In college, I looked up to him, and then at that point, he looked up to me. He said he wanted to be my assistant coach. That's the type of guy Melvin was, because uh, he knew I had a, a big, some big shoes to fill replacing um, Jack Cochran, who's the football coach at Bloomfield. And uh, Melvin came, and we won a couple state titles together, and, and he went on, went on to coach at Hyde, and I don't know how he did it, but he coached at Hyde. He still was a youth football coach in, in the city of New Haven. Melvin was a, a, a great man that would do anything for anyone. He'll take his shirt off his back um, to, to help protect you. Uh, it was a big loss for the youth of uh, New Haven, big loss uh, for my fraternity. 
Uh, it, was, you know, it was a big loss to me as a friend. He was coming back actually from mm-hmm. visiting his son in college when he was killed by a wrong way driver. And uh, when I got that call the next morning, it just, it, it just, my heart just sank. So since then, um, prior to Q, Q's death, um, I've done a number of uh, public service announcements, videos, um, bringing attention to this, this awful, awful, awful thing of wrong way driving. Um, I've had a conversation with Senator Fonfera, who found, I believe it was $20 million um, to help the Department of Transportation um, do something about it. And I hope to work more closely with Senator Fonfera because this has to stop. It, it just has to stop. It's a senseless way to lose your life. Um, you know, on the highway now, I, 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 when it's night out time, I, at, at, outside, is a little saying, um, when at night, stay to the right. Police officers have said that, you know, people who have been drinking or d- disoriented when they drive on a highway, they tend to get on the exit the, 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 the exit ramp the wrong way. And they'll get to the right. So they're driving in the fast lane. So, so, so how would you stay to the right? And how would you be able to remedy this? Like uh, talk to me from from somebody in a, in a layman's perspective, if you can, like, uh, is it is it is it trying to find more money for lights on the uh, wrong way signs on the on way ramps? I think Rhode Island has motion cameras that they use that that ultimately alert state police drivers. Uh, I guess uh, also their state department of transportation. Like, like, what are you offering? What, what can you, what can you do to to kind of remedy this issue? So I, I've had conversations with a number of police officers, and actually, I had a conversation last week with our transportation chair, Roland Lamar. And um, I, there's three things that come to my mind that I'm going to push for. One, absolutely more money. Absolutely. You know, um, when it comes to safety and saving lives, uh, how can you put a dollar amount on that? Um, and, you know, one thing one thing Q can leave for the, 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 the state in his death is that we're bringing more attention to this, right? So it's more money. It's more education. Um, people need to know and be aware and be educated on what's going on, whether it's when you first get your license or public service announcements on television. Um, we got we got to educate our public, right? And then, two, I mean, we can we we have drones that can go anywhere. We can have uh, we can have satellite images. Do you know? Uh, speaking of the Rep. Lamar, um, the, our state police uh, actually went and got files from a satellite images of that wrong way driver that drove a mile and a half before uh, the, the collision. If we have technology to, to to put a man on the moon, we can come up with a way using technology, whether it's lights or, or strips or whatever, to, to stop this. We just got to be willing to get it done. Thank you so much for sharing, gentlemen, your thoughts about Quentin Williams. As we keep telling you throughout this uh, this program, you can submit your story. I think Matt Lesser set up this website, rememberingq.com. And uh, if you want to call us and talk about Quentin Williams today, you can give us a call, 1-888-720-WNPR. Before I let you gentlemen go, could you guys just quick take uh, quickly take about 30 seconds, maybe start with Rep. Rosario first, and just give me your lasting impressions of Quentin Williams' uh, impact on your life? Uh, well, w- one of the definitely things uh, is to laugh more, uh, smile more, and literally, I mean, Q had a big heart. When I tell you, you know, we, we went through a pandemic and, um, you know, to, to go through two years of, you know, 
not wanting to hug or be near, you know, six feet away from people. Um, and uh, Q was one of those people that you just wanted to be around. And um, I was just so glad that I was able to get one last hug in, one last fist pound uh, on that Wednesday. Um, and uh, may God uh, rest his soul. And uh, I pray for his uh, his lovely wife and his mother and his family. Representative Gibson. What I take away from knowing Q is uh, you can get knocked down, but you don't stay down. Value every day and give it your all. You may have to take a knee sometimes or take a break, take a breath, but you keep going because there's too much great work out there that needs to be done. And like he would say, it's like, what are we doing here, people? You know, let's not sit back on our butts. Let's uh, let's get the work done. Thank you so much, Bobby Gibson, Representative Rosario, for joining us here on Where We Live this morning. Coming up, we're going to talk more about Quentin Williams with a couple of our uh, Capitol reporters in Hartford, Ebong Udamo from WSHU, also Susan Raff from WFSB Eyewitness News Channel 3, and Mark Pazniokas from the CT Mirror. You're listening to Where We Live. You're listening to Where We Live. I'm Frankie Graziano. Thank you for joining us this morning as we remember, or at least we ask colleagues to remember, of Quentin Williams and Capitol reporters that work in the state of Connecticut to remember Quentin Williams, the lawmaker that died uh, last Thursday in a wrong-way driving collision, the victim of a wrong-way driving collision. We're asking you, um, lawmakers have set up this website to remember Quentin Williams. You can go there if you'd like to submit your story. It's rememberingq.com. And if you want to talk about Quentin, you knew him, and you want to talk to us about him, you can call 888-720-WNPR. And I understand right now we have a caller from Middletown named Roberto who wants to talk about Quentin. Go ahead, Roberto. Well, thank you. Um, What a guy. I mean, as everybody else has described, uh, just a brilliant light um, all over the horizon. Uh, leaving the path of happiness wherever he went. Um, we got to know him first when we set up a business in Middletown. We have a little chocolate shop there. And he would pop in long before he became a politician. And, um, you know, uh, somebody mentioned his flip-flops. Uh, <laughs> that was part of his signature, I think, walking around town, no matter what the weather. Um, but he was just really a great person. And, um, you know, he came to family events. You know, we went to some of his family events. Um, and he was just a big supporter of businesses in Middletown, just a really good awesome cheerleader type person. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I, I used to call him and Matt the identical triplets because, because between the two of them, they, they had the power of about three people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whenever they had a dare, you know, with some other town, uh, some argument about who had the best basketball team or football team or whatever, they would put up our chocolates or they put up somebody's, uh, you know, we have a cupcake place in town, they put up their cupcakes, they put them up as a challenge so that whatever, uh, whoever the losing, uh, you know, town was would have to take the uh, the gift from the other town. And we were always, you know, in that mix. And that was just really great because, it, you know, it helped business. It helped everybody's business. Um, you know, uh, can't say enough good things about his mom. Can't say enough good things about her cooking. But, um, 
Hugh was just one of those people that could fit in just about everywhere. And it was just delightful to see his rise uh, as he came up uh, doing different things for the downtown business district and other organizations and the town treasurer. And then, um, you know, eventually getting into politics and uh, in a big way. And he's just going to be sorely missed. And I'm so sorry to the to the city of Middletown for this loss, Roberto, for you and the rest of the the people in Middletown because of how important Quentin was to the town. Of course. And the only other suggestion I would make, I've noticed in some towns they have these, uh, you know, gates that look like railroad crossing gates. And perhaps, you know, in some of those situations we have these uh, possible uh, wrong way uh, situations, maybe those could be used possibly in Route 9, although I know they're trying to redesign the entire section of Route 9 that passes through Middletown, so maybe that will be part of the... Of Roberto, the thank you so much for calling in. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about wrong-way driving uh, in a moment, but I do want to go now to our, 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 our capital reporters that join us on Where We Live this morning, Ebong Udama, the senior reporter at WSHU, Capitol Bureau Chief and a co-founder of the CT Mirror, Mark Pazniokas. Good morning, Paz, and as well joining us, the political reporter for WFSB Eyewitness News Channel 3, Susan Raff. And I want to start with Susan. That's why I'm uh, eager to get to this, because Susan uh, is is really close to the Middletown community as well. Like, this is just such a uh, 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 an enormous loss. I, I asked uh, Bobby Gibson earlier how you measure something like this, and I guess the, the short answer, Susan, is that you can't. No, you, you you really can. And I appreciate you you having me on. And I want to thank Roberto for calling in. You know, Middletown is a wonderful uh, community. Um, it is very diverse. I think um, our schools are like 40 percent uh, people of color. And I think that Q, Representative Williams, really loved his community and did a lot for it. He went to the schools. He spoke to a lot of young people, a lot of young people knew him. They were at that service on the South Green in Middletown. Um, I knew Q before he was a lawmaker. We were on a nonprofit together called Lily's Kids, um, which raises money uh, for children with heart defects. And we help families um, who are going through that with expenses and support. And you could tell right away that this was a young man who was doing things with his life and wanted to do more. And he had so much energy. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, he ran, uh, you know, for uh, office. And I knew right away he was the real deal. Um, he was not somebody who sat and waited for his constituents or people to call him. He did, oh my, Facebook and all kinds of social media. He went to school. So he was very involved in this community because he loved it. Thank you so much for sharing this. I, I saw you the other day, and I I just uh, saw how, how much of an impact uh, Quentin had on you. It's just uh, you keep seeing it, the bright smile. Uh, I think Susan Bysowitz said, the other, who also is uh, very close to the Middletown community as well, Susan Bysowitz, the lieutenant governor of Connecticut, saying that he had a 50-megawatt smile. Effervescent is a word I've heard uh, thrown a lot about. Uh, 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 Quentin Williams, and you just don't hear people speak so highly of somebody. That's just the the impact that he had. Mark, uh, or actually, before I go back to Mark, just really quickly, Susan, uh, there's a procession today. I understand you'll be covering it, but there's a procession that'll happen today in Hartford? Correct. I think a lot of people want to do something, um, you know, and 
I think that the family wants to have a private uh, service uh, uh, funeral on Saturday, but they want to give lawmakers and others throughout the state a chance to, you know, pay their respects. And I believe uh, starting at one o'clock, uh, the funeral service is going to have or what they're considering to be a lawmaker version. They're going to have a, a hearse come by at one o'clock uh, to just give lawmakers because of the fact that he served his community. You know, keep in mind, everyone just saw him. He was just sworn in uh, to his third term last week. Uh, we all saw him uh, at the swearing in ceremony. And then in the, um, the inaugural ball, he and I were talking. Um, and he was very excited about serving. And then all of a sudden, just a few hours later, everyone is told about this tragic crash. So it seems very surreal. I think Bobby Gibson said that it doesn't seem real. So I think this will give lawmakers a chance and everyone else who wants to come out uh, to the Capitol today at one o'clock to pay their respects to someone who really cared deeply about his community and his state. Paz, what can you tell me about any kind of standing tributes, memorials, anything like that that they might be doing uh, at the Capitol uh, for Quentin uh, to kind of remember him or maybe some legislation that they're cooking up to, to, to honor Quentin? Well, you will certainly see um, action on wrong way driving. And, but the, the, the challenge for the General Assembly, quite frankly, will be how to act in a way that's meaningful as opposed to that it's um, out of pure emotion. The General Assembly uh, at times has overreacted um, in regards to uh, crime. You know, um, we don't know if the wrong way driver was under the influence, but certainly in recent history, the General Assembly at times has had a very simplistic approach to uh, drunk driving. So the challenge will be of how to do something that's based on analysis and data, which, you know, is, is going to be more difficult. The $20 million pilot program that's going on right now on wrong way driving only involves uh, 16 exit ramps. And there are uh, something like 700 exit ramps. So the, the challenge for the DOT is how do you target where there is a problem this is this is a horrific accident um the loss of of quentin um williams is going to be felt for a long long time but statistically these are relatively rare things they have been occurring more frequently but they are still uh, a rare thing so the challenge for the dot is how do you come up with a system that provides better protection around the state um, when the data shows that these, it's not like there are only three or four uh, on-ramps where th these are a problem. Um, so that will be the challenge uh, for lawmakers. A How record, to do something meaningful. A record 23 wrong way driving fatalities in Connecticut in 2022. And we talked about data there just for a second. When New York Times, when they covered uh, Quentin Williams's death, they attributed a AAA spokesperson that said that this really gets hairy, particularly on highways, obviously, because when you're talking about people driving in excess of 50 miles an hour, at that point, that's where the impact uh, doubles in speed. Susan, uh, really quickly, or, or, or Paz, you mentioned that there's the locations. How would we see this? How would, how would people be able to tell that there's some kind of countermeasure to, to stop wrong way driving 
I know the pilot program is going to result in installation of of more of these countermeasures. But right now, how can we how can this be tangible for us? Right. I think as Mark has highlighted, you know, the $20 million, which will, you know, make somewhat of a difference at a number of, um, I guess, hotspots, if you will. But also some feel the need for more law enforcement, you know, which has been a big problem in our state, you know, recruiting and uh, we have a shortage of law enforcement. But, you know, the reality is, you know, more law enforcement, more police on the roads will be able to spot people. Right. And see things that are happening and maybe prevent uh, something from spiraling out of control. So I think that uh, is an area that the state um, can improve upon. The other part of this, and I think I've heard it from uh, several lawmakers, um, you know, in addition, you know, because in a lot of these wrong way crashes, and they're really horrific. I mean, people are are, are speeding. Uh, and in that case, and I don't want to get too, you know, maudlin, but in, in the case of Representative Williams, um, not only did his car catch fire, but the uh, 27-year-old woman who hit him, according to police, um, had to be uh, like, um, I don't know how to say this delicately, but taken out of her vehicle, uh, removed, cut out of her vehicle. So they, they are horrible. So there's sometimes, and they have not uh, ruled that there was alcohol involved, but in many of these cases, wrong way crashes alcohol is involved. And there's also a concern now with legalized marijuana. You know, more people are driving, buzz driving. And that's a concern uh, because in most of these cases with wrong way crashes, there's impairment involved. So I think that's something that, you know, lawmakers have to address how they do it. I'm not sure. One way to prevent wrong way driving, according to State Police Sergeant Christine Jeltema, essentially echoing what Susan just said, is for Connecticut residents to make smarter choices before they get behind the wheel. Not too much time left in today's show, but it's not easy to look forward to to a legislative session without Quentin Williams. But Ebong Udama, lawmakers can honor their fallen colleague with maybe some legislation to support renters or Connecticut residents seeking affordable housing. Chris Rosario just said there that maybe there's a rent cap or or uh, some affordable housing measures. What do you think, Ebon? What could be done here? Well, or anything uh, you're hearing. The, the problem is that it's it's always runs into um, there's always pushback from communities because uh, they, they they are very concerned about zoning and changing the zoning regulations, and and that is probably the best way to get more affordable housing uh, into more towns. Uh, there's the, you know, there's legislation that was passed that required uh, each community to submit uh, uh, the affordable housing plans. And most Connecticut communities have not submitted their plans. So, um, and there's always pushback when the state tries to get into the housing uh, uh, market. Uh, so I, 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 I'm looking out for what might come down the pike, but I am not very hopeful that we'll move this uh, along. Uh, it will move along quite uh, uh, in this session. Um, although for the first time we have both the administration of uh, Governor Lamont as well as legislators talking about this. So we'll see what will happen. I wish we could get more into the uh, zoning and, and housing regulations and, and ways that 
laws can be updated to support Connecticut residents. I wish we could talk more about other things that Quentin Williams was passionate about. We only have about 30 or 40 seconds left on the program today. So unfortunately, we won't be able to get into that. We'll have to save it for another day. Thank you so much, Ebong, for joining us, Susan Raff and Mark Pazniokas. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Before we end today's show about Quentin Williams, we want you to hear from the man himself. And I want you to note the passion for the people he served. In April of 2022, Representative Williams joined us on Where We Live to talk about no-fault evictions. Here's what he had to say. I don't know after after we've seen this global, global condition um, where um, we have like I said, a, a housing crisis, uh, numerous people sick and, 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 and literally dying. Um, we've seen rents increase 30, 40, 50, 100 percent. I don't know what else it, would, it could take. I get called. Matter of fact, the, the, the interesting thing about it is why I was waiting uh, to join this very interview. I have a constituent calling me right now that said they were they were on hold on uh, with two one one because they needed help and support. It is really difficult. I know how difficult it is. I I the other like I think a week ago or two weeks ago I helped a vet and it took me forty one minutes to be able to get just someone on the line to be able to talk about the process for to be able to get um, some support. I know how difficult it is. And for those that don't know my story, and I, we don't have enough time for it today, um, but I had a young mentee um, that we tried to get support. And between myself, the Youth Service Bureau Director, and a, um, a, a well-off friend, we'll call him, um, the three of us um, through 211 took us two days to get the young kid uh, housing, and it still wasn't supportive of housing, and he was kicked out about a week or two later, and the consequences were literally deaf. So I, I, when I say I understand, I understand, and we need uh, to invest um, in um, our CAN network. We need to build more housing, which is the number one, that needs to be our number one priority to really fix the problem. But in the meantime, we have numerous um, stop gates that can help, whether it's uh, limiting the application fees, providing fair rent commissions, and having um, only just cause evictions. These are very simple things we can do in order to protect um, all of our residents here in Connecticut and stimulate and grow our economy. That was the late state representative Quentin Q. Williams speaking on where we live in April of 2022. You know what Quentin said in that whole quote that sticks with me is the part about being on hold for 41 minutes on behalf of a constituent to talk to someone about housing. Take out housing and substitute any other resource our brothers and sisters in this state struggle to access food, work, transportation to work, education, mental health services, other health care resources. There's just so much the people of the state need, particularly marginalized members of our community. And there's this overwhelming feeling of sadness, sadness in losing somebody that made it his life's work to remove the barriers in the way of these important resources. Today's Where We Live was produced by Tess Terrible, our technical producer's Cat Pastor. Download Where We Live anytime on your favorite podcast app. For Connecticut Public, I'm Frankie Graziano. Thank you for listening.